Hi, and welcome to the Brilliant Perspectives podcast with Graham Cook. I'm your host, Michael Becchio. Thanks for joining me again. Let's dive into our third and final episode of Reframing from Graham's popular teaching series, The Art of Thinking Brilliantly, which you can find on both Brilliant TV and on our store. For those of you who joined last week, a quick recap on the live event for impartation we just did this Friday, January 21st. It was a blast. So much good feedback and a myriad of breakthroughs and new mindsets. Graham's wife, Teresa Cook, Jenny Taylor, and myself led it and brought in our brilliant community from all over, as well as our impartation members who got to join us live on the private Zoom call. This event was free to attend, and you can actually still sign up to watch it before we take it down in case you missed it. I encourage you to catch that replay. It was only 90 minutes, so it won't take too much of your time, but will be well worth that investment. Check it out using the link I provided for you in the description below this episode. And finally, after Graham's message wraps up, I'll identify and break down a few more keys and takeaways from reframing, as well as a practical application and a story of how it worked in my own life to round out this series and help you grow. All right, let's jump in. Behavior is the echo of belief. The new man never sees a negative because they're too involved with Jesus. This is our joy in the earth. It's to be absolutely intrigued and involved with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are not intimidated by the enemy or circumstances because we're too busy being fascinated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Our problem is, on days, is that we allow our circumstances to be bigger than our blessing. And beloved, that's just not right. It's not right. It's not kingdom. It's not the sound of heaven. In Christ, the truth is, in Christ, the bigger the circumstances, the greater the provision. Caleb was excited, not just that there were a few giants, but there were a lot of them. He's excited by that. This is cool. There's so many giants. Sheesh, we're going to be amazing. (laughs) Big promises require huge provisions. We've all got promises in our life. You need to cash them in. Under pressure, our old nature defaults to resistance, to anger, to fear, to anxiety, to tiredness, to depression, to distress. But our new nature is always redefined in every situation. Your new nature looks at something and says, oh my goodness, by the time we get through this, I'm going to be astonishing. (laughs) A new nature looks at a problem and says, dear Lord, thank you. I mean, sheesh, the provision around this problem has got to be really tasty. And it's not even my birthday. Here's the thing. The issue that's in front of us that's demanding our attention 
is never the issue from God. That's the issue the enemy wants you to handle. But behind that issue is the real issue. Every single situation and problem and adversity and difficulty and persecution or whatever in your life is always about one thing and one thing only. It's about your relationship with God. Every single circumstance you have is only ever about your relationship with God. That's the first thing on God's agenda. Because His purpose in sending Christ was to bring many sons into glory. The purpose of God, number one purpose of God in your life, is to make you Christ-like. Therefore, every situation, every circumstance, that is the agenda of God for you. So it has to become your agenda. Most of the time, we look at those situations and we want it to be resolved. So we engage with the situation before we've really engaged with who God is for us. And so we're starting to pray, Lord, help me with this and help me with that. And we're engaging with this situation that the enemy wants you to engage with. But God wants you to engage with your identity in Christ first. So the first issue is always relational because every single thing that God is doing in your life is relational. It's to upgrade who you are in the Lord Jesus. The first response, therefore, is to first upgrade your relationship with God in Christ. So the question is, Lord, what does this situation mean for you and my, for our relationship? Because I want to have an upgrade in relationship first. Because if I upgrade my relationship with Christ as my priority, very often the situation sorts itself out. But if it doesn't, you're facing it in the best possible way. And if it doesn't sort itself out, it's because God has got another upgrade that you didn't see in the first place. Any, any situations that are intractable, it's because God has got more to give you than you imagined. So sometimes a situation may take a month or, a week, or, or six weeks or six months. And really, the reason it takes longer is because God wants to give you more. But he also wants to teach you how to rejoice and how to give thanks and how to be at peace and how to live from a place of patience because that really annoys the enemy. And what you're learning too is that the fruit of the Spirit is a more powerful weapon against the enemy than the gifts. That you can beat the enemy by staying in the love of God. That you can, you can depress him by being patient. Because he lost all of that when he fell from heaven. He had access to all of that in heaven. When he fell from heaven, he fell into impatience. There's no patience whatsoever. It doesn't want you to have any either. You can beat the enemy by being patient. You can depress him with your joy. You can weary him with your rest and your kindness and your gentleness. You can totally dispirit him with the goodness of God. Because he has no access to any of that and he doesn't know how to fight it. He can't fight against God. He's hopeless. Holy Spirit never lost a fight yet. 
The only thing the enemy can do is make you like him. Anxious, fearful, worried. He is all those things. Resentful, bitter, angry, judgmental, unkind. All he can do is make you like him. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make you like Jesus. Everything in your life is relational, and the relational issue is the key. Get your upgrade in terms of your relationship with God, and very often the whole situation will get reordered in your thinking, and you'll find a way of working through that thing and picking up some upgrades on the way. So under negative pressure, we can default to a prior behavior that's rooted in low self-esteem or bad habits. Alternatively, we can use the situation to define who we are in Christ and establish that as a fact in our lifestyle with new habits. When we come under pressure in that area again, we don't default to a sin habit. We just press the reset button. And we default to who we are in Jesus. We've learned our lesson. We've got our upgrade. I'm not letting go of it. You know, I've translated it from an experience into a lifestyle. So God is devoted to changing the way that you think so that your lifestyle can actually cultivate his affection for you. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Here's my two-word counseling ministry. Stop it. Could you just stop opposing God with your own thoughts and learn how to have your thoughts in alignment with who he is for you? That's why Jesus said, hey, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, which means I've overcome all the negativity. Everything that's against you in the world, I've overcome it. Cheer up. I was in a dinner party with some friends and strangers. It's a European-style meal, 16 people, an oblong table. And each course, you move two places to the left. So you end up having talked to everybody during the course of the meal. It's brilliant. So we had six courses. It's going to take us three or four hours. Yeah? Um, so I was in one of these types of meals, which is what I've grown up in. And I was talking to a woman who had just got her dream job. And she was she's really excited. You know, it's ideal companies, great pay, brilliant reputation, great training package. So excited, worked all my life, you know, to, to, to get this kind of job. And, and I said, wow, you must be delighted. And then she said to me, well, actually, I'm extremely fearful. So, I, you know, I feel, I feel sick. I feel anxious. I feel paranoid that I won't be good enough. You know, I'm, I'm really, you know, I've, grown, I've had a fear of failure all my life. And you can see it etched on her face. I'm extremely fearful. So I said, huh, but what if you're not? What if you're not extremely fearful? What if you're just apprehensive? That's normal, right? New job, new people. It's normal to be apprehensive. Will you fit in, all that kind of stuff? What if you're not extremely fearful? 
What if you're just apprehensive? And she thought about it. And, you know, an intelligent woman, she's sitting there, she's thinking about it, she's going, huh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm apprehensive. Yeah, it's okay to be apprehensive. Oh, thanks. I'm really glad I talked to you about it. I said, so you're apprehensive? She said, yeah. I said, but what if you're not? What if, what if you're a little anxious, but you're also intrigued? She said, what do you mean? I said, it's a great company, right? You said so yourself. These are professional people. They're not idiots. They must have seen something in you that they thought was worthy of giving you the job. They must be excited about you joining the company. Great training, great support. Everything's right there for you. So, you know, sounds great to me. So what if really, you know, you're just a little anxious, but you're really intrigued about what God's going to do? And she went, huh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it is a great company. And you're right. They're the best of the best. They're, great. they're best in their first in their field. And they wouldn't appoint an idiot. Yeah, they must have seen something in me. Yeah. And a little anxiety is okay, because it's just, yeah. Yeah, but I am, I'm really intrigued now. <laughs> so I said, so you're, you're just a little anxious, but mostly intrigued. She said, yeah, I think so. I said, cool. What if you're not? What if you're mildly nervous, but really excited? It's your dream job. God was with you in the interview, so he's going to be with you in the job. It's his dream job too. It's the one that he's wanted to give you. It's the one that he's been working in all your training and development and your employment history. He's been pushing you towards this place. This is his dream job as well. He's, he's really excited. So you've got his promise to you in the circumstances. So you can be excited about what God will do for you. What if you're just mildly nervous, but really excited? And now she's like hopping up and down on her seat saying, yeah, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I almost never think like this. This is amazing. I'm so glad I talked to you. I see it. I get it. I see it. I'm mildly nervous. I'm really excited about this job. I can't wait to start. I said, so you're mildly nervous and you're really excited. She said, yeah. I said, but what if you're not? What if you're quietly confident and really joyful? So God has proved his presence, right? He's proved his presence at the interview. This is his dream job. He's given you an ideal company to work for who will absolutely bring out the best that he sees in you. What if he is quietly confident in his own ability to make you astonishing? And what if he's really joyful about the prospect of doing so? And she sat there and she looks at me. <laughs> and she smiled. And her whole face changed. She said, yeah. That's going to be my identity from now on. Confidence. Confidence with joy. That's the new me. 
17 minutes is all it took to move her from extremely fearful to confidence with joy. That's the new me. 17 minutes. That is the art of thinking brilliantly. That's the mind of Christ. That's what it means about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. 17 minutes. Yeah, I did. I mean, thankfully, we were having dessert, so my food didn't go cold. 17 minutes to totally remodel someone's thinking and someone's emotions and someone's perceptions of herself in line with who God is. That's my world record right now. <laughs> so, question then. What would you do if you had no fear? What would your life be like if you had no fear? What would you attempt for God if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you plan to do if you were convinced that God would resource you? What would your approach be to setbacks and challenges if you were empowered by God's faithfulness? This is a question God asked me three years ago. We're still having a conversation. Graham, what would it mean for you to believe that I am unceasingly magnificent towards you? My first response was, a new brain. I kind of think the brain virus got me a new brain. I need to be careful about being witty in my responses. <laughs> That's the mind of Christ. Nothing negative, only positive. The way that he thinks. He's remodeling your mindset. He's remodeling the way you think, the way you perceive your life, your circumstances. He's giving you different language. But he's saying to you, you can't think this thing from the old self. You need to make a decision about which self you're going to listen to. So, how many of us, when something happens, our first thought is a negative? Our first speculative look at something is pessimistic. Oh, I knew this would happen. How many of us find it difficult to see beyond the problem? Or are always finding ourselves overwhelmed by doubt or fear? That's your old self talking. Beloved, your old self is dead. He has no voice. Listen to who you really are and listen to the voice of your permissions. The new self in Christ is being raised up so that you can occupy your circumstances completely differently. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. 
I want to thank you, Lord, that this is a whole new day. It's a whole new day. I was flying from Sydney to San Francisco. And it's that part of the flight where everyone's asleep and all the lights are off and, you know, and there's just a few of us awake and I have my light on and I'm reading and the pilot comes on the intercom and he said, well, we just crossed the international dateline. So whether you like it or not, or appreciate it or not, this is a whole new day. This is a brand new day. Enjoy it. That was it. And I'm thinking, oh my Lord. Qantas has prophets. <laughs> in, in Australia, prophets fly planes for Qantas. <laughs> Beloved, this is a whole new day. We're learning something here a way of being, a way of seeing a way of thinking, a way of living with God that absolutely releases joy and thanksgiving and gratitude and causes us to rise up in every situation because we're starting to understand just who we really are in Jesus. So Father, I pray. I want to ask you right now, Lord, that just this day, that you have set aside this day, this very day, to upgrade our thinking to a level it's never been at in our whole life. So I want to pray, Lord, that we'd all be quietly, joyfully confident. This is my time to be renewed in the spirit of my mind, to take on board the mind of Christ and to learn the joy and the art of thinking in a completely different way. Thank you, Lord, that you're remodeling the way that I think. And you're remodeling my heart and my mind to be in sync with the mind of Christ. So this is a good day. And Lord, I ask you to bless us with the right war in our current circumstances that we fight the way you want us to fight, quietly, confidently, and with joy, that we will love the situations we're in because we're about to see the upgrade that actually is present and the enormity of what you're doing in our life and that you're going to use my current circumstances to upgrade me, to increase me, to multiply me, and to make me like Jesus because everything but everything but everything is relational. So Holy Spirit, would you continue doing a number on us while we slurp some coffee and chat? For Jesus' sake, amen. Okay, let's discuss a few things together before we wrap today. As I mentioned before, it helps to identify key truths as you're listening to things like this. And pay attention to what the Holy Spirit highlights. This gets us in the practice of being intentional with our takeaways so we can partner with God in our growth and increase. We covered keys one through nine over the last two episodes. Will they start today with key 10? I extrapolated this one from this episode. Behavior is the echo of belief. A thought on this key 
Take a step back and acknowledge your behavior and default actions. What are your go-to reactions? This can be a key identifier of where your next increase is in Jesus and the areas where you get to joyfully partner with your new creation mindset. Paraphrasing something that Graham has said elsewhere, when God puts his finger on an issue in your life, he's highlighting the sight of your next miracle. Side note here, you're not in a rush, beloved. God is okay dealing with one thing at a time with you. (laughs) He's not in a hurry. His patience and grace is legendary and heartwarming. The enemy is the one that would want to saddle us with a ton of burdens, a ton of things we feel like we need to change all at once, which is not only impossible, it's downright discouraging and disheartening. The Lord actually makes us feel wonderful about ourselves and Him when He highlights an area and walks us through the process of transformation and growth in that place. For more on that concept, I highly recommend Graham's teachings from the series The Way God Walks With Us on BTV. It was instrumental for me in helping to see how God handles this, detailing things like slow learning is good learning in the kingdom, and that everything in the Spirit is contextualized in relational learning. It also outlines God's sequential approach to working on and bringing these new things into our life. A concept Graham told through a really cool metaphor of storage space, workspace, and living space. I encourage you to check that out. Super good stuff. Also, consider this metaphor. In a house, if you're living in it at the time, remodeling happens one room at a time. Otherwise, you would go crazy. You need to be able to do life with God in a way that's restful while working with Him on one room at a time. Key number 11. Behind every issue is the real issue. Every single situation, problem, adversity, difficulty, and persecution in your life is always about one thing and one thing only, your relationship with God, as Graham said. And again, he said later, everything in your life is about relationship and the relational issue is the key. A few implications here before I jump into some stories and examples. This key means that you'll never face a situation outside of the safety and security of your relationship with God, beloved. All of God's relational promises to you are at work all the time throughout your situation. It means there's a bastion of goodness and everlasting life to dwell in with Him without cessation. There's also an unending spring of hope, joy, peace, and faith to drink from continuously in Him. It's always available because He is our home, and in Him we live and move and have our being. Also, if every situation you face is about your relationship with God, and it is, then you're never without the fullness of blessing and beauty of that divine relationship, no matter what is occurring. Lastly, I encourage you to consider this activation question from Graham, where he posed, in every situation, ask the question, Lord, What does this situation mean for our relationship? And ask that with expectation and joy because you know the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's intent towards you is always good and wonderful. And he's enthusiastic about what he's going to do in you and for you, beloved. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick example of a uh, using reframing in a practical sense and a quick story from my own life. 
Firstly, I kept thinking of the phrase as I was listening to uh, this episode, new levels, new devils. You ever heard that before? (laughs) The basic concept there is as you go to a new level in God or in the spirit, you got to face new devils. But what if instead, in God's perspective and in the kingdom, it's new levels, new revels? What does revel mean? It means to take intense pleasure or satisfaction. So think about that. New levels, new revels. What if the new level means there's more of God's goodness, beauty, glory, and increase to experience, more than we've asked or imagined? And what are the expectations set by each of these statements? This kind of stuff's important because it sets our thinking and gives us a mindset at the outset. If I'm thinking something like new levels, new devils, then inherently there's going to be a sense of fear and uncertainty about, oh no, what am I going to face this time? (laughs) But if I'm thinking new levels, new revels, my mindset is, I can't wait to see what you do in this new level you're taking me to, Father. I can't wait to see who you make me into in Christ, what you bring forth in my life. And I can't wait to experience you in a whole new way. This is a depiction of the critical importance of reframing as a seemingly simple distinction can make a key difference. The implication of each of these things informs the rest of the downstream realities for us, including the thoughts we'll have, the emotions it generates, the expectations it sets, the fears or expectations it conjures, and the possibilities it either squashes or gives life to. I hope that helps. It's merely one example of how setting a different mindset and a different perspective can change everything about the way we approach life with God. Also to share a story of reframing for my own life, uh, over 10 years ago, I started a business with my wife. I had the father's direct approval and blessing to step out into the unknown, leave the jobs I had at that time, and set full sail into this new adventure with him. I was thrilled and expectant of all he would do However, in the first handful of months, I repeatedly found myself plagued by the fear that if the business failed, I would be a failure, that it would be an indicator that I'm not capable of handling things like this or that I'm not enough. The reframe I needed came from the father during a conversation with him in which he depicted to me the reality that he was treating me like a son and investing in my growth. While I don't remember the exact phrase, the paraphrase would be, son, I know you have so much to grow and learn, but instead of being focused on the possibility of failure and your lack, think about it like this. I'm a good father who owns an estate that's worth millions and millions of dollars, and I need to train you up and prepare you to one day inherit it. So for me to spend $100,000, $150,000 or more into your training, even if you were to blow all that money but learn along the way, that would be a no-brainer investment for me because you will be prepared and readied to handle so much more. You'll be able to increase those things in the future. So what may seem like a lot now is really just a drop in the bucket for the benefit that I'm going to get out of it and that you're going to get out of it, son, because of this investment in you. So I want you to only see it like that. I'm investing in you. I'm sowing into you. There's grace to make mistakes, have failures, learn difficult lessons, because now's the time to do that. And you have my backing and my guarantee of faithfulness to you. 
Isn't that beautiful, beloved? What a crazy game changer that was for me, as I'm sure you can imagine. It flipped me out of an orphan mode where it was all dependent on me, and if I failed, I'm on my own, into sonship mode, where I understood that the physical outcome of this first venture into business wasn't really the important thing. The learning, the growth, and the wisdom gained was the real treasure that the Father had his mind set upon and that he wanted me to set my heart upon. And even if it all failed, I would be just fine because the Father would be every bit as committed to providing for me and enjoying life with me after the business went belly up as he was before the business ever even came into being and, of course, during the whole journey of running the business. So there was nothing to fear. As a consequence, my hope was no longer in the outcome of the business endeavor, but in the broader and truly eternal value of being perfectly cared for by God, experiencing Him in a relational way that I never had before, and receiving the increase that He had planned for me over the years to come. You see, God is committed to our story and development, no matter what and no matter how long it takes. And that is such a safe and secure place. All right, this lands it for today and finalizes reframing from the art of thinking brilliantly. Also, remember to check out the impartation event that I mentioned in the intro that we just finished. You'll find the link below. And I encourage you to rest in God's love and receive the goodness of the Father towards you. More than anything else, it will continue to change who you are and how you live with Him brilliantly in this life. Blessings and grace to you, beloved child of God. See you next week.